0: Welcome to... Ready? Are we all ready? Welcome to Forgiveness Week Three. This is called Keeping Your Vision Clear. Keeping Your Vision Clear. Forgiveness Week Three. Um, we're gonna, if you've been watching, if you haven't seen this yet, you can catch all the services online. You can go into Google, you can Google up YouTube, you can go to the YouTube site, you can find them there, you can go onto Facebook, you can find them there, you can go onto Podcast, you can find them there, you can go onto Spotify, you can find them there. If you haven't seen them, you really have absolutely no excuses from this point on, is that right? But just in case you haven't seen them, we're going to do a quick recap and let you know what's been happening at JC over the last three weeks. This month, we have termed fearless February, and we've been tackling the tough topic of forgiveness. Why? Because let's be honest... Forgiving somebody requires us to be fearless, doesn't it? We are so afraid that if we forgive them, they're gonna keep doing it. We are so afraid, what if I forgive them and they just carry on the same way they've always been going? That's why we're calling it Fearless February because Fearless February means that we set people free and the person you're actually setting free is yourself. Fearless forgiveness sets people free. And that's where we want to talk about today. Okay, let's go. You ready? Week number one. Here's what we talked about. We gave the illustration of the man with the balloon. And we held our balloons on strings filled with helium. And at the end of the service, we released those balloons. And we said, God, would you take our hurts, our pain, our unforgiveness? Would you take the whole lot? Would you deal with it? Who thought that was fantastic? Who let their balloons go? And it was so good. I think sometimes we have this tangible touch point in our moment of faith where we let something go. And we know God's doing a great work in our lives. But if you're anything like me or any other human on the face of the earth, you have an opportunity to be tangled up again with unforgiveness. The first week we talked about letting go. And we said if you don't let go, it doesn't affect everybody, it affects you. It stops you entering into what God has for you. Week 2, we talked about how do you get caught up? And we said the enemy, remember we said offense In the Greek is scandalon. Scandalon is simply bait trap. It means that the enemy lays these trips and tracks up for you along the way. And you have an opportunity while you're walking through life to pick up another offense. And we gave the illustration of the strings because we said sometimes when you pick up an offense, it's just little. You don't really count it. You don't really think it's a big problem. And you can snap that at any time you want, but we can pick up another offense, don't you? And then you know the enemy puts another one out. He lays another trap in your life and he puts out another one, he puts out another one, he puts out another one and all of a sudden one becomes two and two becomes three, three become four and you're no longer holding string, you're holding a rope and that rope begins to bind you and that rope holds you back from what, the, from what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do but more than that, we talked about the African hunter last week and we said the African hunter traps the monkeys by tying the food inside the gourd And the monkey puts his hand in, he takes hold of it, and because he can't let go, the African hunter just walks along up and singing that little song, you know, I'm having monkey tonight. That was so true. Man, if you're really old, you remember that, I'm having chicken tonight. Who remembers that song? Put your hand up if you don't remember that song. That tells me I'm singing to a whole new generation now. Right, okay. All right. Week one, we let the balloons go. Week two. We talked about not picking up strings along the way. And the scripture we used last week when we talked was Joseph. We talked about Joseph's brothers and how the enemy laid these strings out for them. And they went along and we found out that Joseph was a bit of a tattletale. And Joseph told his dad all the wrong things his brother was doing. And we asked the question, who has been in a place where somebody's told on them? Who's ever had that? Who's ever got a brother or sister, they've definitely had that. And it doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't matter whether you're doing the wrong thing or not. It doesn't feel good when somebody dobs on you. It hurts. There's an opportunity right there to pick up the string. We went a little bit further on and we found that Joseph's dad favoured Joseph more than his other brothers. And we said, who's ever been in that position where somebody gets something that you thought you were deserving? Somebody got the promotion, somebody got the pay rise, somebody got the girlfriend, somebody got the boyfriend that you thought you were going to get and it hurts, doesn't it? Doesn't That hurts. Somebody got the opportunity to sing on the stage, somebody got the opportunity to play the keyboard, somebody got the opportunity to make Pastor Phil a wonderful coffee but they didn't make it this morning, did they, Amelia? But moving on, <laughs> you know, poor Amelia, she turns up this morning, I said, oh, I'm dying, can you make me a coffee? She looks at me, she goes, no. Amelia, would you stand up, be on camera, turn around? No, I'm just kidding, it's great. And so I've got an opportunity right there to be offended, don't I? I'm like, what? How could this young girl not want to make me a coffee? It's a great and amazing feel For those online, this is my humour. It is a joke, it's not real. I don't genuinely think I'm great and (laughs) amazing. I don't genuinely think she should have to make me a coffee. (laughs) All right. So we talked about that, we said there's these opportunities and then Joseph had a dream, didn't he? Joseph dreamed a dream and he shared it with his brothers. Sin of all sins, he shared a dream with his brothers. That is the greatest thing against Joseph. He shared a dream with his brothers and the Bible says, and they hated him all the more. Can you see his brothers picking up their string on the way through life? Little bit by little bit, one string, another string, another string, and all of a sudden they're held and bound with rope. And then we came to the the final part, didn't we? We found it in Genesis chapter 37. As they saw Joseph coming one day, they said to one another, Look, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into the pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him, and then we'll see what has become of his dreams." you know here's my issue when i read that story that's not their story that's not just a story written down 3000 years ago is it that the truth is that's our story today we have the opportunity day by day week by week month by month to pick up offense somebody said a word i don't like Somebody called me fat. Somebody called me thin. Somebody said I was hairy. Somebody said I was too old, too fat, too young, too whatever it is. And we have an opportunity to pick up offense, and slowly and surely over time, those offenses bind us. But more than that, do you know what they do? That they give us that personal reality that changes something inside us and it makes us hate someone. It sows something deep into our hearts. And this incredible tribe of Israel, called and anointed and appointed by God, sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, hated their brother so much that they were willing to kill him, to throw him into the pit. Now we're sitting here this morning, and I'm going to just go on with this. We're sitting here this morning and we're thinking, well, you know what? He deserved it. Who's thinking that? Who's thinking Joseph didn't deserve the treatment he got? We said, you know, one of the ways that we gave the solution last week, it's really simple, isn't it? That's a problem with simple solutions. That can be a bit patronising. Simple solution week one, let go. Simple solution week two, don't pick up any more string as you're going along. This, you know, really, this isn't hard, but I want to say to you this morning, if you would take those two things on board, you will live your life free to follow the vision God has for your life. God gives Joseph a vision we're going to move into this now. God gives Joseph this incredible vision. And Joseph, after having the vision, after sharing the vision, is thrown into a pit by his brothers who want him to be killed. So this morning, because here's a question, it's not just what happens to those of us who are really, you know, like, who are, who are trivially hurt, but what, what's a question that I always get asked after the end of speaking on this is, yeah, but what about... Anyone ever had, yeah, but what about when it's real? What do you do? You know, it's easy for you to say, don't pick it up. And it's easy for you to say, just let it go. But what do you do when it's real? What do you do when they've really, genuinely hurt you? Who wants to know the answer to that? Because that's a pretty good one, isn't it? Because, you know, like, let's be honest, if we all sat here with our Christian things on, you know, our Christian mindset, we'd be like, oh, I would never get upset if somebody got asked to sing and it wasn't me, that just wouldn't bother me. Except I've been in church long enough to know that that's not true. Oh oh, 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 come on, can I tell you this one? I one time spoke to a gentleman who went to a very large church and the very large church had parking problems. You know, there was lots of cars and not enough spaces. And so so parking, everyone say parking. So, So these wonderful parking facilities at a church full of, because who goes to church is mostly it's, Christians right we get that don't we you know so this wonderful parking facility at a church predominantly frequented by Christians became an area of incredible contention in fact the story goes that at one point it was so contentious this parking spot that it erupted almost to fisticuffs Almost to a Can you imagine going, you know, I'm going to go worship Jesus. It's going to be just wonderful today. I'm going to just love Jesus. But that idiot just parked in my spot and I'm going to smack him out. Could, we wouldn't do that, would we? We would never like, oh, no, no, Pastor Phil, that's never my heart until it's us that somebody just stole our parking spot, right? Or until it's us when some. <laughs> until it does when somebody just hurts us or cuts us off, and all of a sudden we don't know how to let it go. And also can we take that mindset? This is real now. Joseph's brothers aren't just metaphorically talking about killing him, they're literally wanting to kill him. And they hate him that much that they literally want to kill him, and then they take him and they throw him into a pit, and so we 're going to unpack joseph 's side of the story we 've seen his brothers, but now we 're going to look at joseph it 's a real hurt. You are in such a place where your brothers hate your gut so much they want to kill you and they throw you into a pit, then they sell you as a slave into Egypt. So by the way, when you 're a slave, you don 't have a life you 're pretty much as good as dead from that point on you 're a slave, your wife becomes a slave, your children become slaves even when you've served your slavery out and maybe you've done something really good and they want to let you go. They don't let your wife and kids go, so you have to choose to stay there if you want to stay. So all of a sudden, Joseph is now transported into Egypt, into Potiphar's house. I'm going to give you a quick overview of his story. You can find this in Genesis 38, 39, 40, 41, moving on. So take this for a minute, you ready? He's gone from being a dreamer to being hated so much that he's thrown into a pit and he gets pulled out of a pit, sold into slavery, and is serving in Potiphar's house. Now take this, ready, boom. Everyone got that picture in their mind? Yeah. Fabulous, how are you serving? But when you're there, like how are you doing it? Like what's the spirit that you have on your heart right now? You've been hated by your brothers, you've been sold as a slave, you're serving somebody who literally paid for you, so he has no compassion, no mercy, and no care about you at all, he just needs you to do a job, you're, you're just a slave to him, literally a slave, how are you going to serve? With enthusiasm, with passion, with vision, with energy, or are you going to be like him? Flaming, stupid, you want me to sweep the flaming house? I'll sweep the house. I'll show you how to sweep the house. Ooh, you follow me for a minute. See, I want to say this to you. When unforgiveness enters your heart and stays. Your vision for the future diminishes. And so every time you have an opportunity to let something go, you have an opportunity to hang on to the vision God's placed in your heart. And so here's Joseph. He's in the house. And what does the Bible say? Can I just do this? Ready? Can you turn with me, please, to Genesis 39, verse 4? And it says, so Joseph found favor. Everyone say favor. Joseph found favor in his sight and served him and then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he put under his authority. So it was from that time that Joseph, sorry, from that time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sakes, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Does that sound like Joseph's carrying a spirit of unforgiveness and bitterness? Does it sound like Joseph's like, I'll show you, you know, you think you want me to work? I'm only working when you look at me. As soon as he's not looking, I'm out. Are you following me? This guy is hurt like crazy. This guy is hurt. He could be bitter. He could be bound up, but he steps into a brand new vision, a brand new season. He keeps his eyes on what God's calling him to do and to be, and he serves with a spirit of sweetness. He doesn't serve begrudgingly. He doesn't give him 50%. Right now, church, as Christians, this is for us because we are called to take the scriptures and apply it to our life. What would your life look like if when you were hurt, you served faithfully and you served well? What would it look like? What would it look like if when your boss came up to you and had a massive go at you, you continued to serve faithfully and serve well? Well, what would people begin to say about you? And by inference, what would they begin to say about your Lord and Savior? I had my boss one time turn up to my ute, and my ute was a little bit dirty. Okay, it was very dirty. And my boss stood at my ute, I'm going to say this big noting himself in front of the other employee at the time. And he told me with multiple expletives if you don't know what expletives are, just look it up. He told me with multiple, that was just for Amelia. He told me with multiple experience, next time make me a coffee. He, <laughs> <laughs> that he was literally going to urinate, he didn't quite use that word, and defecate, and he didn't use that word either, in my, you, that was actually, Apparently, something to do with copulation. I'm not sure he didn't use that word either. But you can take all those things together, put it into one incredible sentence. Imagine somebody red in the face, irate that the ute was messy, and he's screaming, I will, and I will, and I will, in your... And that's how we are supposed to take that. And we're supposed to go... And can you imagine, because if your boss spoke to most of you like that, what would you do? Oh, you're not talking to me like that. Who do you think you are? I'm out of here. See you later, pal. What did I do? I'm not bragging, please. It was just a fluke. It was just the grace of God. And I look back on it every now and again. There's those glimmers of hope. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You gave me grace in that moment. What did I do? I went to work and I cleaned my ute the next day. And my ute was clean. A few years later, I was in a supervisor meeting, and not my proudest moment, but the boss was putting us under a lot of pressure, we couldn't perform to the expectations he had, and I stood up in the middle of the supervisor's meeting, and I was flapping my arms, and I explained to him that he didn't really want supervisors, he wanted somebody who kicks experiment upon the ground, and he wanted somebody with a big enough butt that would get kicked before his butt. I didn't use those words. And anyone else ever made those mistakes anyone else ever had words to their boss that didn't really go two days later my boss is in the car with me we're driving around we're looking at different sites and job sites and and I don't know about whether you've ever had this but I had this moment this just said knocking at the door of my heart and the whole way around Jesus going you need to you need to ask for forgiveness you need to let that bitterness and the unforgiveness go you need to ask him for forgiveness uh, has anyone else ever had these conversations where they're like, I don't think so. <laughs> Are you serious? I will not be doing that. And then it's like, you're dead. You're here to represent me. Huh? You need to let it go and ask for forgiveness. I get to the end of my run and I pull up in the driveway that day and I hop out and I say to him, boss, just before you go, I, I honestly need to apologise for my behaviour the other day. Can, can you just take a minute? I'm not trying to brag. I'm actually going, it's humbling, isn't it? it it's a little bit humiliating. I'm literally begging in that sense for his forgiveness. boss, would you please forgive me? And he looked at me, he was so gracious. He went, "Ah, oh, don't even worry about it. You said your piece, it's over and done with. And I said, no, no, no. I said, that supervisor can say stuff about you and that supervisor can say stuff about you but I am a follower of Christ and I cannot. Would you please forgive me? Guys, taking that road and letting things go, I honestly believe it's how you keep your vision open to what God's calling you to be. And I've seen so many people who take the hurt. Can we just go on really quickly? Ready? I want to jump back into this. So Joseph has been sold as a slave. He keeps his spirit sweet, right? And he's now the 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 overseer of all of Potiphar's wealth and his home and his fields. And you would think, what a great story, yay! But that's not the end of the story, is it? If anybody's read Joseph's story, Joseph's account, you know that Potiphar's wife starts to look at him, you know, like, oh, you're a nice looking fella, wouldn't, wouldn't mind taking you into the bedroom, if you know what I mean, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're not going any further. And so Joseph's like, no way, no, 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 my master's put everything under my charge except you, you are his, and I'm not, touch- that's not happening. And this goes on for weeks and eventually one day she grabs his coat to drag him in and he swings out of his coat and he runs out of the house and she then stands there with the coat in her hand screaming, look what he did to me, this slave. And so Joseph is now thrown into prison. Can we just take this for a second? From the the pit to Potiphar's house as a slave, now into a prison, falsely accused. And can I say this word? Falsely accused of rape. That seems like a pretty big thing. I mean, it made me cringe when I was writing my notes and said the word. Falsely accused. Not falsely accused of stealing something, falsely accused of rape. Can you, come on. Don't just read the story. Be there. How would you handle that? Your brothers hate your guts. You've been sold as a slave. You're doing everything right. And all of a sudden you're falsely accused again and you're in prison. How are you going to be in prison? That's it, I'm done. I've flamed and tried this, it was useless, it was cool. How many people are like that? You know what, I gave him my the best shot, I'm not interested anymore. I'm not doing nothing for nobody. Ever heard someone say that? I'm not doing nothing for nobody anymore because no one does nothing for me. Are you following what I'm saying? What does Joseph do? He serves the prison guard so well, he raises up to position of preeminence inside the prison. Two people get caught and brought into the prison. They have dreams, and Joseph interprets the dreams correctly. And he says to them, when you, when you go back into Pharaoh's palace, can you just, can you please, don't forget me, let Pharaoh know that I'm wrongly imprisoned. This would be so cool. Just let the big guy know that I'm in prison for no reason of my own, and, and can you imagine what Joseph thinking? Maybe he'll let me out. But you know what? He's still serving with a sweet spirit. He said, you you got a dream, needs interpreting. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve the prison guard wherever I am. I'm going to serve and give God my 100%. I am going to give God my best no matter where I am. You're still following this, aren't you? Because you know, that's what we're called to do. All right, moving on. What happens? You know the story? Two people get let out, and they forget about him. Three years go past. Can we just, Joseph 17 when he first has his dream and he's 30, when it comes to pass that he's promoted by the Pharaoh. Let's do the math 17, 30. 30 15, 13 years. I was <laughs> 13, 13 years. 13 years of keeping your spirit sweet. 13 years of having your brothers hate you, 13 years of being falsely accused. He accurately represents and interprets the dreams. They get out, and then they don't bother telling Pharaoh about him. Three more years. Who'd be getting bitter by now? Who'd be getting into that place where it's like, I'm, I give up. I'm not trying anymore. I've had a gutful. They're not going to... And, and who would do this, right? Because as you picking up strings, don't you? You do this. You pick up this one, 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 and you hang on to the whole lot of them. And so who'd be sitting there in the prison going, it's all their fault anyway. If they didn't flame and sell me as a slave in the first place, I wouldn't even be here. I've done nothing wrong. I don't deserve to be here. I've been treated badly by my brothers, by Potiphar's wife, by the prison guard, and by those two clowns that didn't bother telling Pharaoh that I was in prison wrongly in the first place. I've done nothing wrong. you know you play that you know, This is what he could do, and he's blaming everybody else, couldn't he? he could, I'm saying he could. I've known enough people to know that they mostly would, but he doesn't. And we're going to jump down, please, because he stays sweet. and if you stay sweet, the vision will come to pass. Let me say it again, if you stay sweet, the vision will come to pass. If you stay sweet, keep your heart empty, keep your heart clean. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Yes. But is it worth it? Finally, he gets let out of prison. He gets promoted by Pharaoh to be the head of all of Egypt. Famine comes to the land. (laughs) Get ready to rub your hands together, come on. Famine comes to the land, right? And his brothers have to come begging for food this is where you get to see the character of a man. See, anybody can be nice, we're in the lower state, but when you're in the higher state, right there, you've got the power. What, what does Joseph do? Does he lord it over them? Does he say, well, you best get begging, boys, because you're going to be hungry little bit? He feeds them, sends them back. He gets the Father to come he creates space for them in Egypt and he saves them from starvation when the world goes through a global famine. These are not the actions of somebody who's bitter. These are the actions of somebody who keeps their heart sweet and keeps looking at the vision God has put in their heart. We're going to jump down now to, verse, to Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. It says, But now their father was dead. Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now, Joseph, you can imagine him, can't you? <laughs> Dad's dead. The only one in charge of us now is Joseph. Joseph, you remember? The guy we wanted to kill. The guy we put into a pit and sold as a slave. The guy who was imprisoned falsely, for, accused falsely and imprisoned. The guy who got forgotten about. The guy, that guy is now in charge and what do you think he's going to do? Man, this just touches my heart. It says, so they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. For their sin in treating you so cruelly, so we, the servants of God, the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sins. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. That is probably one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. When Joseph received their message, he wept. Why? Because there's nothing left in his heart. There is no bitterness. There's no animosity. There's no anger. And he's almost shocked that they still think he's like that. Joseph receives the message and he weeps. And I believe he weeps at their brokenness. He weeps at the fact they're still bound up. He weeps at the fact that they still are held in this place where they think he is like them and he is out for vengeance the same as they were out for vengeance. But Joseph has dealt with his hurt and unforgiveness, hasn't he? And this is what working through unforgiveness is like. It's it's a process. It's opportunities and sometimes it's really big and sometimes we can just start small. Sometimes it's just not getting angry at the guy who cut us off in the car park. Sometimes it's holding our tongue when our wife or husband says the wrong thing. Somebody it's keeping a sweet spirit when our boss threatens to defecate in our vehicle. There's a hundred different ways where we can practice forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And it's like a muscle, and we forgive and it gets stronger. And we let it go and it gets stronger. And we forgive some more and we get stronger. And all of a sudden, we are in a position where the vision of God is coming to pass in our life and we're not bound in bitterness. I believe some people today are gonna be set free. My heart, my prayer all this month has been, God, would you start to set your people free? God, would you bring us to a place of victory? Joseph is a giant among men with all the opportunity to take offence, he stays sweet. When we stay sweet, no one can stop us from being who God has called us to be. Nobody, nobody, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, there is not a pastor, there is not a music leader, there is not an employer, there is nobody who can stop God's plans for your life. There is one person one person. Everyone say one person. Now take that finger, hold it back up, go one person who can stop God's plans. And then point. You. You are the only person powerful enough to stop God's plans. Why? Because God gives you these horrible two things. Free will. It'd be so much easier if we didn't have it. Wouldn't it be good if he took everybody else's free will? so that they weren't nasty and bitter, but then he'd have to take mine. And so then, are you getting this? Please get it. One person, not a worship leader, who doesn't see your talent. Not a cafe leader, who doesn't think you're the best coffee maker ever. (laughs) Not a service team leader, who thinks that you should only be wiping tables instead of greeting on the front door. Not a camera leader. Nobody, not a boss, Not a pastor, not a leader, not a spouse can stop you from becoming what God has called you to be. There is one criteria, keep sweet. Do not be bound in unforgiveness. Do not be bound in bitterness. Do not be bound in envy or hurt. Don't allow those things to constrain you. Just keep sweet, keep going. Is it easy? I wish it was. Please don't think that I'm patronizing. I'm not. You know, you oh, you, it's real easy. Listen, there are things that have transpired in our family that you have no idea about, and we keep sweet. I am 100% certain there are things that have happened in your family that I have no idea about. I'm encouraging you to keep sweet. Keep sweet. I I didn't say don't put some boundaries in place. If I come to your house and your dog bites me, I don't kill your dog next week. Vengeance begets vengeance begets vengeance. I don't do that. I don't put my hand back through the fence either. But do you know how you know? There's nothing in my heart. It's a heart. It's a heart. Can I please ask you to put your hands on your heart? If you're watching from home, put your hand on your heart. It's a heart. Father God, it's my heart. You've put a vision in my heart. You've put a dream in my heart. And sometimes bitterness and hurt and unforgiveness have clouded that vision. I'm going to share a story while you keep your hand on your heart. 1979, the medical journal reports a little boy named Julian fell down while chasing butterflies in the tall field of grass. Soon afterwards, the boy's eye started to hurt He was taken to the doctor. The doctor couldn't find the source of irritation. So he gave the boy some ointment and sent him home. And about a year later, the boy started complaining of a cloudy vision. His parents took him to an eye specialist who was stunned. You can Google this yourself and find it. Who was stunned by what he discovered. Apparently, the seed of the grass had entered the cornea of his eye. And a plant was beginning to grow and cloud his vision. Offense is like a seed. It gets into our eyes and it begins to cloud our vision. Sometimes when we're hurt, we tell ourselves things like, oh, didn't really matter, but the seed's still there. Sometimes when we're hurt, we justify it. And we, we enable the seed to keep growing, but the seed's still there. So my question to you today have you allowed unforgiveness to steal your vision and yet, can I just nobody else in this whole place will know just you it's you and God put your hand on your heart God is it clean in there God is it clean in here father am I holding bitterness hurts pain unforgiveness am i holding on to things that cloud my vision how hard is it to see jesus when you're hurting when someone's hurt you how hard is it to pray and we say things like i just pray but the truth is when i pray i just repeat the problem instead of saying god would you heal the heart i think some of us need to be a little bit like the child who goes to the eye specialist We need to go to jesus and i just want to give some time this morning to say come to jesus please come to him say god would you would you take out of my heart today those things that obscure my vision jesus would you take out of my heart the hurts the pain the shame the unforgiveness take out of my heart the things that obscure my vision Father, right now, I believe that the Spirit of God is working on hearts. Lord, you're touching hearts. You're changing lives, even now in this space. Lord, take out of my heart hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness and pain. That's why Jesus came. So those who are blind will receive their sight. Those who are hurting will be healed those who are bound in sin will be forgiven. He came to set you free, to walk into the fullness of the vision he's placed on your life. I'm going to invite Clinton to come this morning and just bring us around the table. And as he comes, I'm going to ask you, open your heart to Jesus. Let go of those things that are obscuring your vision. Bless you, God. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.